0: Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? I'm doing fine, thank you. But, you know, what I'm going to start off with is in in a little way sad that I'm bringing it up because, you know, I sort of got hopeful, and I'm still hopeful, that uh the american people have uh woken up and they they're sick and tired of all the excesses dealing with uh COVID yeah. and the people have a better attitude and we're reading good articles to show that you you know the lockdowns were uh the wrong thing and 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 all this and yet the the some are still completely obsessed i still run into people who are who are just locked into this that they have to wear masks. Still. Yeah. That, that, fortunately, they're a small majority, yeah. a small mo- minority that uh, wants to do that. But the headline under Zero Hedge, who does good reporting on this, well, <laughs> won't let us forget COVID's still out there. Yeah. At least there's some bad people. The more authoritarian a government is, or more authoritarian an individual is for uh, using me- that method to socially and medically engineer everything, we'll still. Hear from. But the headline on Zero Hedge was Canada's Health Minister, quote, you will never be fully. Vaxed <laughs> and he wants he he wants everybody to have a shot in every nine months yeah I do it I do it yeah, he said yeah. it, it's 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 lousy uh well it's lousy politics it's a lousy way to solve problems uh the, and and violate the principles of liberty, but it's really lousy medicine to to uh, undermine so many things that were misled and now people are starting to wake up and and say that uh, you know, who, who was speaking the science? We even have those people that chomp down on us for saying that uh, natural immunity was something worth looking into. Well, m- nobody argues that anymore. Everybody knows there's natural immunity. But we still have the, uh, the, the people out there the, the, that want to rule the world. You know, one thing I noticed that uh, <laughs> they, the, 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 the two countries that are demanding the most of shot. Canada, of course, yeah. and uh, there was a time when civil liberties meant something a lot more to Canadians than it does now, but guess who the other country is China yeah, yeah. China is like you know what they do? they had a lockdown for a few months, the markets yeah. crashed, and, and then oh we we don 't have to lock down anymore as if as if the the medical aspects of the virus shifts like that, yeah. it shifts with dollar signs around it that 's what happened. But anyway, I, I was, uh, this is worth thinking about to show that uh, when, when governments uh, get power, they cling to it, even if they have to, even they have to fib, <laughs> even if they have to lie outright, even if they want to continue to make more money, they do. And so th- this still exists out there. And uh, along with this is uh, the fact that uh, you, you know the pharmaceuticals came up and they said, well, there's another virus on its way. And I guess they're talking about monkey virus. Yeah. And so they offered to all the states, you know, to buy up. I'm sure they're buying up with taxpayers' money. All the states, buy up, be prepared. Yeah. And they don't even have, uh, you know, anything to treat yet. And, of course, uh, most people know the story that all the states rushed except one, you know, to San Jose. We don't need to yeah. do this. So he, he is a gutsy person, and I'm, I'm glad he's an independent-minded person. Yeah. But but anyway, this subject is still with us. And lo and behold, there will be a virus come, and people will get sick. And, uh, you know, every year, if you look back at the statistics on the just the regular flu that everybody gets, they, they changed the uh, inoculation. Maybe one outcome of this would be maybe they didn't have to give a new uh, vaccination you know, for, uh, for the flu every single year because it doesn't change anything. They go, well, we, we gotta do it again. So this is, uh, they, they'll, they'll find something to stir up trouble and unfortunately uh, we still have a lot of gullible people out there and it's not like they don't have access. Of course, the uh, social media did monopolize the, the, the scenario on this and what they had to believe. But uh, now I think there's some information coming out that people say, well, there were a group of doctors that were on the right track and the uh, truth will win out and let's, let's hope we can help it along.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Canada is very authoritarian. We saw what they did to the trucker protest. They beat them up. They stole all their money. I mean, it's amazing to think what's happened just to the north of the border. Uh, you know, uh, you're, you're right. You know, they're partners with China in that respect. Let's put up that first clip because here's what we're talking about. Jean-Yves Duclos, he said, no way. You got to keep getting shot. The whole concept of fully vaxxed is out the window. It's now a COVID shot every nine months going forward. We'll never be fully vaxxed. And we can look at the next clip. Uh, and here's a quote. This is via Zero Hedge, as you point out. Um, Makes no sense to talk about being fully vaxxed. It's about being up to date. So am I up to date on my vaccination? Have I received a vaccination in nine months? Um, and there he goes. But fortunately, uh, there is something that, uh, that's happening, which is that his government is losing its popularity. Before we go to that, though, this whole concept doesn't make sense. And it shows that he's pretty much of a dullard. Because we even know from the head of the CDC, uh, we know from the, from, uh, the, the, the uh, Rochelle, uh, what's her name for the CDC, said, what these shots can no longer do is prevent infection and transmission. So it's not even a vaccine. You know, at the very, very best, you know, maybe it mitigates some aspects of it. But even, wrote, uh, even Rochelle Walensky, sorry, said this. So the guy's way out of touch. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And as a result, the people are getting frustrated. And let's look at this next clip because this is from the same article. It's a recent poll of Canada, the approval of Prime Minister Trudeau People who strongly disapprove is the largest percent. 41% strongly disapprove. You add another almost 20% of people who moderately disapprove, uh, disapprove. And you've got a tiny, tiny sliver of people who strongly approve of the Trudeau government. And you might see him going by the wayside. You might see him, because we're starting to see this now. It's just, maybe justice is slow, but Boris Johnson is on the ropes. Schultz is probably going to be next on the ropes, and now Trudeau's on the ropes. Doesn't seem like fitting punishment for what they've done to the people, but I guess it's a start.
0: Yeah, you'd have to agree that Biden's not doing all that well either.
1: <laughs> good <laughs> <But> every, point. <laughs> goes without
0: saying. Yeah,
1: good point. <laughs> but,
0: but you know, uh, the, the big problem, because I believe it, this started before uh, they were able to manipulate the news about the virus, is the, is the economy and the spending and the inflation and all this that goes on, the transfer of wealth from the... From from middle class to the very wealthy, and, and all the wars that are being fought, that, those are the big problems. But uh, the, so I think that I think Trudeau is, his uh, popularity is, is going down. I still believe people vote from their bellies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because they're worrying about the economy now. But what happens if they come up with a vaccine for a weak economy? Yeah. And you know what the pharmaceuticals probably already argue that. Yeah. Oh yeah, let's sell more vaccines. This will help the economy. <laughs> Okay, we want us to hire more people. Okay, we'll hire hire more people. So it's um it it is a really a a mess, but there's always a light at the end of the tunnel, and I think we're seeing this people are uh you know, they have access to the uh, good information, the people who are severely punished, careers ruined. And yeah. uh, just think, one thing that's never measured and we don't say it so much because there was all this uh, negative uh, scientific analysis and the uh, locking out of a, of a de- a debate, how many people, uh, you know, got mistreated? We know about people who've been mistreated, yeah. and, uh, and and people died from the treatment. and uh, and, they, and how about the people that? you know, didn't get to go to see the doctor from lockdowns. And there's so many things that yeah. happen that they'll never be able to measure. They're starting to measure now the long-term effects of the vaccine, but still people are going out. And here you have people saying, well, we got to be ready. Let's pile up. We we can't go. And, and uh, they're terrified of saying, well, you told us and we didn't do it and somebody got sick. You know, so it it is a it's just a bit of terrorism that they use to yeah. frighten the politicians and to do, doing things that they probably know better.
1: Well, let's put up that next clip because this is um, this is related to it because there are still pockets of stupidity in the U.S. Plenty of them. Here's San Diego. San Diego loses 22 percent of its police force due to vax mandates. They force them to get vaccinated and. A quarter, more, almost a quarter of the police force said, "Okay, I quit." And they didn't have this next door in LA County. The sheriff, uh, Sheriff <laughs> Villanueva, is a great guy. He resisted. He said, "No mandates, no shots. We're not going to enforce this garbage." And they're doing fine. But it's a very interesting San Diego. No, they didn't get the memo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. No,
0: this, so this, this is good news. This hope it seeks in. But you're you're not likely to see it on the the majors you know the the networks. fortunately they're losing credibility too you know I think the credibility of uh, when our our government makes announcements now uh, most people you know take it with a grain of salt and uh, they were hopeful that they could depend on social networks and and now they're starting to question social networks even some of the some of the networks the social networks are getting into financial trouble because people are tired of it so in in a way um you know, people can sense when when they're not being told uh, told the truth. And I've told the story before that uh, somebody, a, a young person from college was praising me for telling the truth about the Constitution. You know, he was giving me some praise. And uh, at the same time, I said, well, you know, the other candidate said the same thing. He he believed in the Constitution. We need to, you know, we take an oath of office and, you know, they said all the words right. I said, why didn't you believe them? And he says, well, we could tell he wasn't telling the truth. So p- people do have a sense of that and I think I think young people have this sense as well as the people who have been conditioned you know by the by the uh, military industrial complex and the other uh, special interest groups because uh, the too much is at stake my jobs is at stake and all this but of course I, I think I think the goal in life for all decent people is not the fact that they will ever be able to grasp the absolute truth of everything. Nobody can do that. But I think that is a goal of decent people is always seeking the truth and trying to sort it out. And, uh, and this is sort of what we've been doing for these last three, four, five years just over COVID. Who's t- who's telling the truth? And in a way, um, it was much more frustrating than it is now because I think
1: people People are hearing the other side of the story. Yeah, that's true. Well, before we move on from COVID, there's some kind of semi-breaking news. And this came out just before we sat down to start the show. We can put on that next clip. Um, But Alex Berenson, who we talked about a lot during COVID, he was always giving very good reporting, very up-to-date. He was challenging the narrative. And on August twenty eighth, 2021, he paid the price. Twitter permanently banned him for this quote for this tweet it doesn't stop infection or transmission don't think of it as a vaccine think of it as best as a therapeutic with a limited window of efficacy and terrible side effect profile that must be dosed in advance of illness and we want to mandate it insanity everything that he wrote there has since been admitted by top health officials (laughs) right but he was permanently banned but what he did is interesting. He sued Twitter. Um, he sued Twitter. It's, it's, there's too much to get into the whole, you know, the whole details of the case. But what has just happened, and this is from Alex himself, and he is back on Twitter. Alex just sent out to his subscribers, the parties have come to a mutually acceptable resolution. I have been reinstated. Twitter has acknowledged that my tweets should not have led to my suspension at that time that's a real victory I think for Everyone. That's a big a bit big of victory. good news, I'll tell yeah. you. Yeah. And there's
0: going to be more of that because uh, they try to hide that stuff as possible. But you do need a fighter Yeah. willing to go out there and it. fight the case. And, and he did, and he won it, but uh, a lot of other people are going to benefit by
1: it. I wonder if they're going to reinstate me. <laughs> I won't hold Oh,
0: my I don't know about that.
1: <laughs> I'm just too oh, bad.
0: Oh, that's right. They were calling me the other day. They were trying to get a definition. (laughs) What have you been doing? You know, I want to move on to something. In in a way, it's a little bit. related, is is uh, the Mexican uh, president? Yeah. He, all of a sudden, I said, "Hey, hey, this might be a good, a good guy, yeah. or at least he's doing something I I like." And that has to do with his position with Assange. Yeah. He says, "I'd offer him citizenship, and I'd offer him asylum." <laughs> Holy yeah. man, this is good. And uh, I thought back. You know, uh, we we already today have. Uh, hit the canadians not when we ought to make sure it's it's the it's the canadian government yeah, there's good people in canada we have a lot of people that, that yeah actually even listen to our program a lot from, of great from people canada. canada but uh, we, we do we do make those points and of course we praised them because we saw them as a haven for people who on principle decided that they didn't want to go over and fight an illegal, unconstitutional, immoral, ridiculous war and go over and get killed in Vietnam. So they said, Canada said they will give a sanctuary. They'll take us in and they won't put us in prison. Uh, So it was a sanctuary. But uh, isn't it interesting now that the sanctuary... Uh, is is once again uh, Mexico, not Canada. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the the so sanctuary is being offered to Assange, and you'd wonder. I'd like to because people go by statistics. We know what we believe to be right and 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 and, and the proper position on this, but I'd be I'd be fascinated to know, uh, you know, uh, about what the American people really think. My guess is, they if you do that man in the street thing i think about nine out of ten say who's assange that's probably what would happen but uh i'd uh i would think that the average person if they just heard the story uh of what's going on here uh, that uh, he he committed a crime against the Espionage Act. <laughs> and nobody else ever has gone to jail except one or two over that. But we're going to put Assange in. Oh, yeah, well, uh, wh- 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 what state does he live in? Oh, he doesn't live in the United States. Yeah, he's he not American. Say, but he started telling the truth about what we were doing. And, and he, he got, you know, information. Uh, and he saw himself as a journalist and a whistleblower type. And he, what he revealed was very well worthwhile and now uh, you know they've tortured him Uh, you say oh no they didn't beat him with a whip but I don't know what they did but he's already been tortured because how many years has it been yeah solitary
1: confinement yeah
0: and they're and they're not gonna and and now the ruling the other day was uh, that he was going to be uh, sent back to the United States sent to the United States and uh, that again should aggravate a lot of people in the country in the world here here's a guy He's not a citizen, but he's being not sent back. He's sending to the United States for being for being punished to telling the world what was really going on because he got information as a journalist. Yeah, boy, that's that's pretty bad.
1: It is, and you know the the Mexican president is is a pretty interesting guy, and he's actually very popular. He's a po- he's a left populist. Um, we can put on that next clip because here's what he got in the news over the last couple of days. Uh, they call him AMLO. Is Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador? Um, He he said, if the U.S. persists in demanding that Assange be delivered to the U.S. for trial, and if he's convicted, we may as well go ahead and dismantle the Statue of Liberty because America is toast. That's basically what he says. And here's actually a little bit more. Uh, Go to the next one. Here's um, uh, Speaking at a press conference at the National Palace, he called for the most important, important press in the world, including New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, and Mexico's Alpes to convene a meeting, to exhort, request, call, so that pardon be granted to Assange. That's great because he's putting them on notice. You guys are the media. You believe in the free press. It's time for you to stand up for one of your own. And here's what he said. If they don't do it, they will be tarnished and will have to start a campaign that if they take him to the U.S. and sentence him to the maximum sentence to die in prison, they will have to dismantle the Statue of Liberty that the French delivered because it's no longer a symbol of freedom, uh, and I think that is great. He's going he says he's gonna ask President Biden directly, <laughs> please pardon this journalist, let him off, don't do this. You know, hats off to him. He doesn't have to do this. He's really showing himself to be a decent guy. And as you pointed out, he's saying, send him over here. We'll give him <laughs> citizenship. He can live here. Hey, ha-
0: How about doing something today for our efforts? Would you give... The president of Mexico a call. See if he'll come on <laughs> yeah, our program. We should, yeah. <laughs> we might, love you know, him. if I'm complaining that I don't think the, a lot of American citizens even care or know much about it, maybe if we had the president of Mexico yes. come in and get on our program and talk these words, uh, I, I think that would be just wonderful. They, You know, we might even uh, get our full numbers of uh, number of people <laughs> on our viewership. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so. we should. Well, We'll find him. He's welcome <laughs> on the show. <laughs> Well, I guess the the last major thing we're going to do is just sort of a um, watch what they do, not what they say. And let's put up this next one because, as you know, know, the governments in the U.K. and and Germany and France and elsewhere have been terrified that Putin is going to run roughshod over Europe and take over everything. Well, this is kind of funny. This is, uh, troop cuts will put British Army at breaking point, says former Army chief. The U.K. government's decision to go ahead with planned troop cuts despite the war in Ukraine is madness and will put the army at a breaking point, said a former army chief. Dr. Paul, I will put this to you. If you are the head of a country and you are convinced that an invasion is coming from outside, would the first thing you do to be say, we need to cut our army? We got too many people in here. Well, if his army is there to defend his
0: country, Yes, there's no doubt about it. But if his army is to be designed, and you have to have a big army like uh, the NATO army uh, for the purpose of maintaining, uh, you know, control of the world and the empire, that, that's a different story. So I think there's two different things here on why you need the troops. You know, uh, but but your point of inconsistency—that's yeah. the—they're not—they're uh, not reducing. Let's say we had something to say about what's going on, we might say. Well, you know, we can do with a lot less troops yeah, because yeah. we're bringing our troops home yeah. and we're going to have a defensive uh, group. But but they that's not what's going on here. And besides, it's going to it's going to be canceled because already, uh, evidently, UK uh, shares uh, in the military industrial complex. You know, oh, we, yeah. we always complain about all weapons are built in 50 different states. But I think they build they try to pass out that money to the NATO countries and and they get a share in the profits and things so that that is that is to me the the big thing, the motivation and uh because technically you could argue that if if we had a more libertarian non interventionist thing we wouldn't be sitting there worrying about the invasion yeah. but but when you stir up the trouble and the troops are coming, and you say oh we don 't need the troops it's it's almost like uh you stir up all the trouble. Why is there so much violence in our inner cities? Well, a lot of it is government programming They created the economic environment of that. So uh, they, they they say, well, you, you you know what we need to do is fire the police. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, an idea. Uh, so and that that's uh, not, not the answer. Uh, even whether it's local and dealing with the police and the corruption we have here, or uh, international t- activity, uh, the this is uh, this just points out again and and that's about essentially what we do on COVID the inconsistencies and the one thing that we have found out uh, as we have done our programs the one thing that unifies people uh On this issue Republicans and Democrats and liberals and conservatives is when the authoritarians get up there and say we are going to take care of you and you are going to have to listen to us and and that's one thing someone will say yeah I think you're doing the right thing but when those thugs wrote those laws and they go out and do it that's what infuriates people
1: yeah it does (laughs) well just to show that it's not about defense the UK is actually boosting they're spending even <laughs> yeah, while they cut through. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's oh. amazing. Well, I'm going to finish up today with a, a great announcement, and I'm happy, and I'm a little bleary-eyed because I stayed up late putting this together, um, but I'm very happy to do this. Uh, put up that next one. Announcing the 2022 Ron Paul Scholars Seminar. Uh, in this picture, you can see for those of us who aren't watching, uh, Representative Thomas Massey, our personal hero in Congress, delivering the keynote speech last year. To the Ron Paul Scholars, um, it's very easy to do. If you go to RonPaulInstitute.org, on the upper right hand side, you will see a clickable link, and it'll have an article about the program. It's a one day program. Dr. Paul, as you know, it's like a foreign policy and civil liberties boot camp. It's like a graduate graduate level seminar. It's for upper division undergrads and grad students, uh, and we have uh, scholarships available. Uh, So I think that these students will be able to make it here, you know, with no out-of-pocket costs. They can come to the conference, which is the day afterward. This is the day before our Washington conference. So they have their own day, heavy briefings, heavy discussions, back and forth with experts, with different professors, and then the next day they come and watch the conference, and uh, and they can do it essentially for free because we have, thanks to our very generous donors, we have sponsors for each one of these young people. The competition is very stiff and the main thing we try to do it this way you have to act fast get your application in fast we make our decisions quickly and then you need to book your travel quickly so it's kind of like the old show mission impossible right you this message will self-destruct in five seconds so anyway go to the site click it on read it if it looks interesting to you get those applications in right away so that we can make our decisions very quickly. Dr. Paul? Very
0: good. Now, I am very strongly in favor of what you have done personally and making sure this has been in effect. And uh, each each year it seems to get more popular because it, it does follow what I believe in, but I, uh, stole some of these ideas from uh, uh, an individual that I really admired in promoting the uh, cause of liberty, and that is Leonard Reed at the Foundation for Economic Education. He, he, uh, he wasn't against crowds getting together and cheering and having fun, uh, as much as he says the ultimate test was getting a smaller number of people and uh get them to be interested to really understand the the philosophy and that if you prepare yourself he always argued somebody will, people are starved for information somebody will use these individuals so when we see these young people coming and spending time there i i think that is, that is just uh wonderful and uh it it reminds me one time of this thing about the large groups and the small groups. That, uh, And I'm sure you remember this. We had a pretty pretty neat barbecue celebration uh, in Galveston yeah. in one of the campaigns. And there were, you know, not a couple hundred or 50 people. It wasn't a Leonard Reed crea- uh, uh, crowd to, uh, you know, uh, to to go over a class period of, of uh, digging into the details of liberty. But uh, it was involved. So we were having thousands at the barbecue and somebody said, well, we have a lot of special people coming here that are, you know, philosophically attuned to the libertarian message. So somebody said, well, let's, let's have uh, the, the barbecue. doesn't start till six o'clock or five o'clock. So why don't we at two o'clock, you know, just get a good little place because there'll be people coming that will be interested more in a detailed a study committee yeah. like this and uh so we said okay we did it and guess what i got in a lot of trouble i've never had anybody come up to me so ron what are you doing and what happened was we were expecting you know it was on galveston it was a nice day uh, yeah. they should be on the beach uh, <laughs> but you know in but they, they they came once they heard there was like a seminar and the speakers were going to get together and talks about serious philosophy all of a sudden, we had a lot of people and it filled up and some people didn't get in and that's what they were upset about. And I always thought that, that was just great that people were interested in the ideas uh, and, uh, and and wanted to come and and decided that it was more valuable than loafing on, on the beach. Yeah. But but anyway, I think that uh, a prevailing attitude by a large number of people for all our viewpoints is very, very important because, uh, you know... Those those efforts have an influence, and that's why the numbers were important to show how many people were objecting to lockdowns. And when those numbers were up instead of 10 of us talking, but you still need those 10 and 15. You need these study committees. You need these people who are really going to be determined and offer the explanation uh, of exactly why liberty is superior to authoritarianism. Uh, It is so, so important because that does influence uh, other people. So you so you need both. But uh, of course, I'm very interested in getting people involved to find out because logic is on our side. Truth is on our side. And that's why I figure that we're winning some of those battles now in the argument over the science of what you do with uh, COVID. And uh, I think that's successful. And that's a lot better than thinking. You can solve it with uh, the use of force uh, because. That method has been used for thousands of years, and it generally uh, doesn't uh, have any permanent changes on that. So uh, we will continue to do that here at the Ron Paul uh, Institute for Peace and Prosperity. So I want to uh, thank everybody for being support supportive of our efforts, and hopefully we see you uh, in not too distant future at one of our conferences. And I want to ask you to return to the Liberty Report soon.